0: To this episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane, and with me, as always, is Laura Zatz. Say hello, Laura.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Today is what September 25th. It I sure think. is. Um, and we've got a pretty fun show for you today. We're going to kind of piggyback off our awards show with um, more awards uh, <laughs> last week with some uh, other awards um, that we've decided to give out. Uh, but before we get to that, we've got all kinds of little news updates. So why don't we why don't we dig into that?
1: Yeah. So first to announce is our whole list of special episodes. So Mm -hmm. writing by reading, where we're going to be going over China and the Evil's October, will be out this Thursday, September 28th. -hmm. Furthermore, we will have our query episode for October out October 12th. First pages will follow on October 19th, and then writing by reading will be out on the 26th. Send us your queries and your first pages or suggestions for writing by reading to us at printrunpodcast at gmail.com. You should definitely tune in to the Query and First Pages show out at the beginning of October because we are going to be taking the first three weeks for a free episode off. Mm. That means that on Tuesdays, the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th of October, you will not be getting new Print Run, and it's my fault. Uh, I'm going to be on vacation, man. and I'm very Sorry.
0: This is my this is my chance to become the the favorite on the show like, <laughs> right now. I feel like Are you just going to do right. it by
1: yourself? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should. It's going to be a solo print run. It's going to be just me. I'm just going to like rant about whatever I'm mad online about for the given day. There's going to be no counterbalance. It's going to be all horrible it's stories. It's just going to be me. tweets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I'm just going to start every thought with thread. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be horrible. Um, but no, we're going to be off for a few weeks. But that's okay because, um, well, we've got some other exciting news we mm. can share. We right? do
1: have some really exciting news. For, so for all of you that are going to be missing us the first three weeks of mm. October, um, definitely look forward to November because that is the first month where we are going to be columnists for Apex Magazine.
0: That's going to be really fun. Yeah. So. Um, Basically, what we're going to be doing um, with Apex, which is a science fiction fantasy uh, magazine, which you should definitely check out, Um, we're going to be writing a weekly thing for them. I think, what are we calling it? Monthly. Monthly thing, excuse me. Um we're we are gonna,
1: calling it between the lines
0: yeah, which um, we
1: definitely the week after our title episode did not have any trouble coming up with. Yeah, no. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, we're really we were really good at coming up with that provocative title um <laughs> but uh, we're just gonna be um just once a month talking about kind of like what we do on the show just in written form just like a monthly weigh in on some publishing thing for them so yeah it's um, gonna
1: be a little bit more coherent yeah Um, if you're tired
0: of hearing like trumpets and drums in the background of our episode (laughs) as like the like folk band performs next to us you can just read us instead
1: it'll be great
0: (laughs) yeah it's about time we had a large print version of of this show for for those with cataracts Yeah,
1: i'm really excited
0: um i'm trying to think what other news oh we've got (laughs) Um, we officially became a business. What? I know. We got the letter today from the uh, State Department of Minnesota telling us that we exist. Um, so if you're mad at our takes, um, you can you can take it up with the Minnesota Better Business Bureau, I guess, or something. Um, <laughs> Those because... <laughs> are not at
1: all the same thing, Eric.
0: Um,
1: Clearly, we're very old hat at this. Look, um,
0: look as, as a small business owner, <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to not insult me like that. Um, but... Yeah, no. So, so that was our little bit of paperwork we did.
1: Yep. They definitely cashed our check real quick. Oh,
0: yeah. No, they, the government took our money. They right? were,
1: they were pretty thirsty.
0: The damn government <laughs> taking our money.
1: Speaking of other people who are taking your uh-huh. money, though, yeah. you did something that is not at all um, <laughs> announcement related. You did right. something fun this week that I, I was a little do, bit jealous I did of.
0: do something fun.
1: So you went to the Celeste Ng reading for Little Fires Everywhere.
0: I did. And it was um, it was really great for a lot of reasons. I mean, the first, obviously, is that she is incredibly smart. Her book is very good so far. I'm almost done with it. Um, she was great in person, um, took a lot of questions, took one of my questions. OK, which was nice. so
1: so back up. First of all, yeah, I, I'm going to want to get to what you asked. <laughs> But back up yeah. and yeah, talk yeah. about what it means to be great in person, because I feel like you enjoy going to readings do, a lot yeah. more than I do.
0: Why, well, why don't you like going to readings?
1: Because I've been to a I'm lot of shitty readings. I'm
0: telling all your office. I've been to a lot like of shitty
1: readings. readings.
0: Uh uh-huh. So what? Can we tell? Break down a shitty reading. For
1: so me. a shitty reading is one where you go and it's basically like an audiobook that you had to pay for parking to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just like yeah. them standing up there and like reading and like that's it.
0: Yeah, no that that would be a shitty reading. That is not what I like about readings usually. Um, I will say this in terms of other forms of shitty reading, and this is a real prisoner's dilemma because oftentimes the most horrible poetry readings, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I went to a ton of poetry readings, like in college. Why Maybe am I not surprised too. by oh, that? Come, we all look. We all went through our wild times in college. Mine just happened to include going to a lot of poetry readings. <laughs> um, but fair. But the thing with bad poetry readings is they usually have really good snacks. They, There's Because like, they
1: want you to come yeah, yeah, yeah. so There's badly. There's like a whole
0: spread. It's like I'm like over there stuffing my face as like the woman <laughs> is like discussing her genitals like in poem form. It, it's great. I mean, it's, that, did, that did happen several times. Did it uh, oh, several I've been, times? I've been to many, many poetry, male and female, by the way, um, of just self-description of one's genitals. Um, um, college poetry is wild, man.
1: Are, are the are the snacks themed?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. No, usually they're just like Cheez-Its and like wine
1: i would i mean like i would do a lot for some Cheez it's and some wine
0: yeah yeah oh yeah no and i did uh um so that that's kind of like your mid-range reading but no what i really liked about um celeste ung um and the the one i went to is that she well first of all i think it's really interesting what passages um authors pick okay so so talk to
1: me about what kinds of passages she picked
0: okay so I used to be a big believer in you have to read just the start of your novel and reading anything else is like a cop out Mm. because I didn't like the idea of an author getting the chance to like explain their book to me before I read the pages.
1: But isn't that like kind of the point?
0: Well, sure. But the point is I want to hear it afterward. But like going in, like I want, you know, the, the only part of the book that I require no context for. Is the very beginning, right? So I, I usually like that, but she didn't do that. And she was pretty good about telling us why she picked certain things to read because she felt they were particularly indicative of theme or whatever. Um, and so she bounced around a little, which I also thought was good. Like sometimes you get these really like interminable passages for like 20 minutes and everyone kind of starts checking their phone like halfway through. Um, but she was good about kind of stopping and like discussing a little about um, her craft and things. Um, and then she took a bunch of questions. And this is what I think. Um, really makes the reading. And a lot of it has nothing to do with whether or not the author is good at this, but whether they've got an audience that can, like, ask something that isn't completely asinine. So
1: how many people actually just wanted to, like, say a comment but, like, <laughs> raise their hand anyway? How many people at this reading did Well, there that?
0: were some – I mean, most people were pretty good. So this was out in – this was out in Edina. <gasps>
1: Folks, if you are not from Minnesota, Edina is a really really rich, very, very white suburb in uh, south of Minneapolis. And when I was in high school, everyone would joke when like our our sports teams played Edina, they'd be like, ha ha, we're totally going to beat them because you know what? They're needy. They're every day I need attention. Yeah,
0: that little acronym joke, that's like common amongst you Minnesota people. Like mostly all of, like my dad says that. A lot. Really? And, oh yeah. He's always telling me about how awfully Dinah is. But um the point is that it's you know, it's a very attentive audience. They've all, you know, read the book. They're sure. all right there and ready to ask a bunch of questions. So um, what did you ask? Um I asked about her treatment of class in the book because there's like some interesting uh wealth discrepancies going on that um, she agreed and I was happy to hear this that she felt really drove some of the story. Um so I asked that and she gave what I thought was a pretty interesting answer. It's also very funny because um it's a book about a a, a suburb like an insufferable mm-hmm. suburb and, and so it like was an edina. <laughs> and so like a lot of the book it felt like like a lot of the things she's like poking at and probing and like trying to you know put on the page i feel like is like happening in these people's communities and they're like oh wow that really is terrible that this would happen in a neighborhood good thing it's not happening in ours like this would never be something happening in edina um, I'm guessing that it happens. Yeah.
1: Well, there there's some pretty terrible things happening in Edina <laughs> that's, right a, now. That's,
0: that's going to be our spinoff podcast called Terrible Shit in Edina. <laughs> um, we're going to have another bird logo. It's. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she was she was pretty good and. Um, You know, took questions pretty engagingly. I mean, this was, um, you know, she's pretty experienced at this Yeah. Um, by this point. she. This is not her first book. No, she'd been on tour for a little while. This isn't her first book. Um, She had this um, moment where she realized she couldn't go um, to one of her prior stops because she got booked for Seth Meyers. (gasps) And it's like really funny to watch someone, um, especially like a book author, who they're like, these are not like the most... Polished people at sounding really like, like a celebrity or arrogant, you know. Yeah. So like trying to like just like flatline say, oh I had to get I had, I got bounced onto Seth Meyers' show. Um, it was very funny to watch her try to say that without like beaming with pride, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds adorable. No, it was great. I um, and she I would highly recommend this book. Um, it's a uh, one of the blurbs actually put it best on the back. They called it a novel of manners. Which is a term I hadn't really thought much about since college. You know, it's sort of like something you call like a Jane Austen novel or something. Yeah. Um, and but it really ha- it does really feel like kind of like a modern take on that. And I don't know, it's worthwhile. But the other thing, so I was sitting there in, honest to God, the craziest Barnes and Noble I have ever been in. This thing, I don't know. This used- is
1: this is some of the evil things, the yeah. horrible things happening in Edina <laughs> yeah. is yeah. this yeah, particular Barnes & Noble. Thing number
0: one is this Barnes & Noble. I don't know. I've never been in one of these, but maybe some of our listeners have. This is um, one of the
1: first in the country.
0: Yeah. They made it as, like, futuristic and modern as possible, and it definitely felt like a response to, like, an Amazon store in that all of the shelves were, like, organized around, like, consumer experience. You know, so there was a lot there were a lot of shelves that were like, our readers are talking about this the most, you know, or like I feel like that is
1: very reminiscent of the Amazon bookstore segment we've done.
0: That's what I'm saying, yeah. And so Mm -hmm. between that or like Um, You know, readers are talking a ton about this or readers are, you know, have rated this the most or the most highly. You know, these it it was all kind of based on this crowdsourced approach to book organization that we're seeing more and more of.
1: They also have booze, which which is a good thing. They don't have cinnamon rolls around every corner, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know. Um, But they have booze. But they've got a – they've got this kitchen, right? Yeah. They've got this kitchen – and it's called the Barnes and Noble Kitchen. So instead of not like the dinky like,
1: Starbucks, not just like the cafe. cafe
0: that I feel like was working for everyone, frankly. Yeah. Um, they've got it. it's a kitchen and you can like use your membership and stuff there and like it's like this whole crazy thing. But anyway, so I was sitting next to this I was sitting next to this woman who was a local Edina resident. I was kinda asking her about the Barnes and Noble. And I said, Well, when did they put this in? And she said, fairly recently. And I said, Well, what did they have to move and what did they have to cut? And <laughs> she's like well they took out the literature section.
1: <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. So they she, what? So
0: so she she goes they took out they took out the literature section. And she like really knew by the way like she was someone who had gone here a bunch like she obviously was coming to the readings and stuff you know really. Yeah. Um she was like old hat at the Barnes and Noble game. And then I said well so where did they put all those books cuz it like used to be second it used to be two stories but now it's like one story it, they like hollowed out this whole thing and um, she's like, well, they just didn't have room for it. There's just no. <laughs> <laughs> there's just no. So there's no literature section in the Diana Barnes and Noble. Oh. Um, there's a whole bunch. Of, so like, I went and I found. I was gonna go in and I was gonna buy. Uh, I was gonna buy the Levers, the book that we picked to win the National Book Award. I did end up finding it, but it wasn't in like the fiction section or like the new releases one. section. I had to like go find it. It was on like a new voices shelf, <gasps> which. By bookstore standards, I feel like it's fairly opaque. Yeah, but, that doesn't
1: mean anything. it yeah, just means this just, person is a debut, or you've never heard of them. So, like, before. De-
0: I guess like it's interesting. Like, would you have like a debut author shelf? And I guess I, I would. I am not, you know, entirely opposed to that idea, but it's just like hard to find stuff under that construct. You can't you know? find things. <laughs> that's that's for I mean. browsing. Yeah, exactly. Like it, that. Actually, that's a good point. Is like it's a store that is set up to browse. Not like, to go browse, in and like, buy something. And browse like super generally and without much direction. Like it kind of wants to steer you itself as opposed to like, I'm going to go check out the fiction section. Well, it gets you <laughs>
1: drunk first and then you realize that there's no fiction and yeah. you're here for a fiction reading. Um,
0: so that was that was fun. But overall, I would say that um, the reading experience was good. Um, I did not stick around to get my book signed afterward because I already had a signed copy of that Aww. book that I bought beforehand. That's right. Edina. You can stand in line. You could have brought it, but she
1: could have written to Eric with a K. She could have, and that would have been nice. But I
0: felt, I felt strange about that, so I. I You could have pointed
1: out to her that they got rid of her section. (laughs) Yeah. So one of our favorite things to do on Print Run, as a podcast, is to Mm. really go in depth and go over, like dumb ass book (laughs) fights.
0: Yeah, Um, it's really the only thing I like with regard to the book industry. Um, is just like authors getting mad or like publishers getting mad at authors or like authors, like getting mad at the news. There's a lot of getting mad at the news lately. Yeah. Um, but we've got a good one. We've got a good one today. We
1: have a good one. Yeah. So you might remember from 2011, the best selling book, the art of fielding, mm-hmm. uh, by Chad Harbach, which is about like division three baseball and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Chad. That was that was so, unkind of me, but so, like, let's be real. Like, yeah, yeah, The name yada. of this
0: segment is "Sorry, Chad."
1: <laughs> um. So, so Chad recently mm-hmm. had an announcement come up that IMG is making his book into a movie.
0: Congrats to Chad. Congrats, Congrats to, to Chad. Sorry, Chad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so here's what happened uh-huh. after that. Uh uh-huh. A man named Charles Green sued him for copyright infringement. Hmm. In just, like, the most delicious way possible.
0: Yeah. um, So suing people for copyright infringement is sometimes straightforward. Like, sometimes people have directly transcribed your work or really, you know, copied something in a manner that is also published. Like, sometimes copyright cases are, like, you know, they're... Open and shut. Pretty open and shut. Um, This is not one of those cases. No. um, Because this is a case in which a dude has like an unpublished novel
1: named Bucky's Ninth, which of <laughs> course is also about a division three baseball player. Um, yeah. And he apparently wrote this in the mid 1990s as a screenplay mm-hmm. and then turned it in the early two thousands into a novel and basically worked with an editor and then got an agent and tried to sell it everywhere. And it never took. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so he is saying that thematically, Thematically. Um, thematically.
0: It's a baseball book.
1: The book is the book, the books overlap. And so uh-huh. there are specific shared plots like, quote, a baseball prodigy comes of age, the recruiter mentor, an illicit romance, and intergenerational.
0: I feel like if you're writing a baseball book, you can't get mad at another baseball book about a dude like being mad at his dad. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Because like that's like every baseball book. And really frankly, every baseball conversation and most of baseball is just like being mad at your dad. Um Accurate. But, so <laughs> but so this guy, um, to litigate his case, and I will say, I will say that this post is a little bit funny. Um, but he does have he does have some points. like there are there's some there's some overlap, and who knows what the actual situation is. But he did what any good person who's ready to like get litigious does which a is, year
1: before he did. Yeah, he published a post on Medium. yeah, which is log on. yep. yeah. so his so Charles Green, mm-hmm. to recap, posted a long um blog post on medium dot com mm-hmm. about the similarities in the book. And so here's what he titled it. Are you ready? Hit by a pitch? and then there's um <laughs> there are ellipses there and then it's called beaned by the art of fielding
0: that's I'm telling you my issue and this person's issue is that baseball books have like one s- plot and like five different words they're allowed to use yeah <laughs>
1: yeah and you know what it's really funny just like people outside of genre fiction just like Baseball? throwing around throwing around thematic copyright infringement yeah. like as if they're as if like thematic copyright infringement was a thing. Like if it was all of the romance genre would just be like one Ur er text and that's <laughs> it. Like there would just be one book.
0: Well so I was gonna say right like so some with some genres, romance in particular, which particular, you work in. Yeah. Um, you know so many of these plot points are not only they're not only repetitive in a good – like in a way that readers want, but they're like expected, right? And they're and expected
1: so, at certain points in the yeah, book like to the – like it has to happen on page X.
0: There's specific beats you have to hit, yeah. right? And so I feel like it would get pretty complicated to – And that's the
1: argument for this. I would
0: honestly argue that like baseball books – are their own like form? Oh, of, of course they like, are. They've got like just as specific structures. In fact, I'm also suing both uh, Charles Green and Chad Harbach for because they've both copied my baseball book, which is called "Striking Out My Dad." <laughs> 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 it's about <laughs> um, yeah, it's about uh, my dead dad who. Um, never quite loved me the amount I needed him to. And so I tried to play catch with him and it didn't quite work, but then I almost made the major leagues and eventually I learned some good lessons in the end. And at the end of sunsets over a truck, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, but anyway, I'll see you both in court.
1: I want I want to read just like a few passages yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from from the medium article that Charles Green posted a year ago and is now kind of bringing up
0: because he can't help himself is the other he thing can't you'll help see. himself it's all baseball writing like there's no getting away from the baseball so,
1: so here is a sl- the beginning of hit by a pitch beamed by the art of fielding
0: <laughs> God damn it
1: Back, back, back before the internet and hamstring pulls and the yoga for my hamstrings, I played baseball. Hell yeah. (laughs) Keep going. Swarthmore College had spent most of the 20th century losing baseball games. Then, one magical season, the spring of 85, we became the only team in school history to go undefeated in our league and advance to the NCAA playoffs.
0: The seasons are always magical. They're always magical. Well, it's
1: baseball, of course it is. It's
0: science. It's science. Yeah.
1: The previous summer, my father had given me his copy of Bernard, Bernard Malamud's baseball classic, The Natural. When I sent a fan letter to the author, I didn't expect a reply. One came and inspired me to start dreaming up a, quote, great American baseball tale of my own. OK.
0: <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of key elements here to this bit of genre fiction, um, which is one. You've got um, Dad. You've got dad instilling the love of baseball. Yep. You've also got this person using an outdated mode of communication. Yep. You've got writing letters.
1: Dad mentor or um, like yeah. a like author mentor. Yeah, yep.
0: exactly. Um, you've also got um, great American baseball tale. Um, you definitely need some some American in there. Um, this is baseball. I also think it's funny that this is the beginning of an article that's like supposed to lay out like a legal case. <laughs> and instead we're like talking about like writing dad. letters to like. Yeah. No, it's good.
1: So here's, here's what his take had. My take had a perennial underdog setup,
0: because uh-huh. that's fresh. Same with striking out my dad. See you in court.
1: <laughs> a coming-of-age plot that involved a college campus scandal and the mysterious death of a father slash former quarterback.
0: <laughs> the the being mad at football players is also a key part football of football player knowledge. dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Football player dad, America troop,
1: and an oddball ending that veered abruptly from the traditional sports narrative outcome. A division three squad recruits a prodigy who from a shortstop inspires the troops.
0: <laughs> he said tr- <laughs> I had made that part up. I had made- <laughs> I had joked earlier that there were that he was gonna say troops. Um he but said we, troops. we gotta say troops, it's baseball.
1: Inspires the troops, the troops. on yeah. the way to the yeah. first time championship contention, he bails on his teammates, then returns to conquer his demons in the ninth inning moment of truth. Mm-hmm. Will he be the hero? The goat? Oh,
0: my God. My Um, favorite
1: part about this very lengthy article, and we're not going to read any more of it, except for he lists um, overall, like, parallels in the championship game. Yeah. Because all championship games are special Mm -hmm. um, and like a unicorn. And so in the championship game, he says that the similarity is that the prodigy shows up with a gym bag slung over his shoulder.
0: Yep. Always.
1: Yep. Um, also, I love that he took time to make a list of the non-baseball points, which include um, <clears throat> looming exposure of illicit romance between college administrator and baseball-playing student threatens to end administrator's career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: a um, lot of fun. Well, so what was that movie? What was that uh, baseball movie with Dennis Quaid in it?
1: Why do you think I know that?
0: Come on. I feel like this was like a big one. Was it a Disney movie? Probably like a Disney Channel movie. The only
1: movie I know Dennis Quaid was in was the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap remake.
0: Okay, well, when my book gets made into a baseball movie, on you want
1: Dennis Quaid? Dennis
0: Quaid will play every part. Is he like too it's a, old no, for this? No, because that's going to be the plot of the movie. Is but he's that not he's too like old. getting it back, which I think he already did in this other movie. But now it's going to be like getting back to that point where he was getting back to it in the prior movie. Mm. Uh-
1: <laughs> there are just there yeah. are just so many delicious things about this particular um, article. So The the Art of Fielding is published by Hachette, so Little Brown and Company, yeah. right?
0: I have a story about that, um,
1: And Hachette came back at like their their official statement. I want to read it to you because it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Little Brown and Company believes there is no merit whatsoever in the lawsuit against Chad Harbaugh over his book, The Art of Fielding. Themes of of coming-of-age sports and the college experience are hardly unique, and it is curious to us that this claim is being asserted now six years after publication of Mr. Harbaugh's book, which is just, like, I feel like the biggest slam of Hachette of their own books. They're like, this ain't special. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I mean, I think they're probably – they're also – I mean, that's pretty – yeah. It's pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate, but – um, you know, so I went to the like when I first got out of college, I went to the one of those like publishing courses right mm. for like four weeks mm-hmm. um, where you just like sit in the room and like people tell you what a book is and then you can go get a publishing job. Sure. Um, and the book like the foundational book, of the entire program for four weeks was the art of fielding. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So we all got handed copies of the art of fielding on like day one. And we were, we had to like come up with marketing plans for it and like do all this stuff. And then like midway through um, the guy, the editor of this book, the publisher of little Brown. And I think now Hachette even, even um, came and like gave a talk to us about like the art. Like it was, it was wild. But anyway, this book occupied a large portion of my conscience. Consciousness, not my conscience. Uh, my conscience is clean, and it involves no baseball books, um, <laughs> except but,
1: for striking out. Except my Except for dad. striking
0: out, my dad, uh, forthcoming <laughs> from, um, yeah, I don't know, no Eric one's, Press. Yeah, my press, the one we made up, the yep. first acquisition. Um yep. But yeah. Anyway. I, I
1: think I think the true lesson here, among other things, like always be mad at your dad and respect um, the troops. And respect the troops has to do with nothing. Is stolen unless it's being made into a movie.
0: Yeah, that yeah. See, that's the thing. That's where that's where uh Mr. Green kinda loses me here is that the timing is a little odd. But yeah,
1: it was it just um, came a couple but like I will a month say, or like so. Some of these yeah. parallels
0: he draws, I mean he you know, a lot of it is like really broad, but some of it it's like, man, hmm, maybe he has a point. Who know. knows? But I like I just
1: I just wish the medium article wasn't so whiny.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway. Know, I wish all medium articles were less whiny, <laughs> frankly. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't think anything's gonna come by, come out of this. I you know, I'm sorry that this book hasn't been published because it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: But it sounds a lot like the art of fielding.
1: Yeah. Bucky Bucky's ninth. Um, honestly, like we know yeah. from the last episode that we are very good at titles at print run. Yeah. Um and Bucky's ninth, of course, seems a lot better than the art of fielding.
0: Yeah. hmm Um Yeah. You could call it like – I'm trying to think of better baseball book titles. You could call it like Seventh Inning Catch or something, like going out back with dad and playing catch and like maybe at the end he loves you a little bit more or something.
1: There was a Freddie Prince Jr. rom-com about baseball where he was playing in the minor leagues and it was Uh called Summer Catch (laughs) and he is with Jessica Biel – yeah. And I ju- all I remember about that is, like, Jessica Beale in, like, an early two thousand swimsuit. And then also, like, one of the baseball players, his, like, plot line mm-hmm. was that he liked full-figured women. And, like, his <laughs> character arc is that he, like, came to terms with it. I was like... <laughs> We couldn't have like dad issues or something oh, like man. really. We Excellent. just need to like fat shame some people in this. And but like he it, it actually yeah. is kind of like a little bit heartwarming. Like he stands up on like a bar stool and he's like, mm-hmm. I like big women. <laughs> and then he like lives happy, ever, happily ever after it. that That's actually I'm going nice to put that in my
0: book and then sue that movie. So um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm excited about this next bit. Yes. Um, that we're gonna be doing because we couldn't quite fit it last week. But we I, were really
1: excited and we ran out of time. Yeah.
0: Um because the real analysis got in the way of the analysis I actually wanted to do, which was the fake analysis. Yeah. Um, we had some kind of stemming off of our book award show.
1: For the man booker and right. the national book award.
0: And you know, we discussed those pretty um pretty seriously and like pretty thoroughly, I think. But
1: I'm gonna be um, right this year.
0: Mm, no. Um But we need some joke categories, too. And so we decided that— They're
1: not jokes. They're just print-run categories. It's our first annual—
0: Yeah, there are no jokes. There are no jokes. Everything we talk about is real.
1: It's our first annual print-run gong award.
0: Okay, wow. (laughs) Didn't have a meeting about the award title. Um, (laughs) but um, So we want to get into some categories here. That's sort of what I feel encapsulate um, the real debates in the book world. Um, And, of course, I feel like the place we should start um, for the year when thinking about like the year in literature – and I guess this first category um, involves a little bit more than the past year. But that's all kind of close and we're kind of catching up because this award hasn't existed yet. But I think we need to start with best author tweet –
1: Oh, oh! I feel like this is going to be a very hard category to win in.
0: Well, there are some good ones, and um, I think we've all kind of got our favorite um, author Twitter accounts online. Um, you know, there's a few of them on there that you can name who do a pretty good job of being funny, some who do like a really abysmal job of being funny and they're also like worth following just to like <laughs> – because if you use like the internet to just like quietly stew in your own anger like, like I do, um, it's, it's great to have these people. But It's important. Um, so our candidates – For
1: our, best author tweet. Our
0: candidates for best author tweet um, start with our good friend of the show. I would, We should have. I bet she would come on the show. First of all, we're going to talk about it later. Joyce Carol Oates.
1: Oh, <laughs> perennial favorite in this category yeah. that has never yet existed.
0: She's absolutely a favorite. I mean, she she's got two here because I couldn't pick one. Okay, she's so got she's two two on really, here twice. She's on here twice. Um, her first one is from. This is a couple. This is, I guess, about two years ago now. Um, but it lives. It lives in infamy, and I have it written down here as the ISIS tweet. <laughs> Because the one thing about the one thing about Joyce Carlotz's Twitter is she is just always online.
1: Yeah, of so course one thing, she is.
0: One thing I really respect about her is that she never logs off and remains posting at all times. Um, like any like good, any great author, yeah, like any great American you know letter um, writer. But so th- this tweet um, for ISIS goes like this, and she caught a lot of flack for this. But Joyce, we're here recognizing your greatness. All we hear of ISIS is puritanical and punitive semicolon. Is there nothing celebratory and joyous, or is that query naive?
1: <laughs> oh, Joyce.
0: Um, so Joyce is asking, "How come no one ever talks about the good parts of, of ISIS?" ISIS. Um, and I personally, I respect the hell out of that. I think that's great. Um, so, <laughs> um, but anyway, so she's she's our first nominee. Okay. Um, her second her second tweet here that we got, and you guys, I guess we can kind of pick which one we like better. Um, but it's kind of it's known as the Triceratops tweet. Did you oh. ever see? <laughs> do you remember this one?
1: Yeah, I do.
0: Yeah. So she once someone like posted a joke screenshot from Jurassic Park of like a like One dude. of the
1: engineers yeah, yeah. or like the director, like whispers.
0: Standing the, next to like a the dead robot. Standing next to like a dead triceratops. Well, just right? one that
1: wasn't like had a person inside of it and wasn't yeah. like being used mechanically. Right, right, right. Because yeah, it's, it's just... Jurassic Park. <laughs>
0: And like the joke was that like someone had like poached it and stuff like they kind of set it up as like one of those like fake horrible hunting pictures, yeah. right? And Joyce got on there and was like, "So barbaric that this should still be allowed? No conservation laws in effect wherever this is." <laughs> um, so she's here to she's here to call attention to uh, triceratops poaching. Oh, um, which I think is favorite. great. I mean, she's she's a real hero, and I think she definitely is a mainstay. Do state. you know what
1: I prefer about that one? Is that she goes right to the government.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, she's... It's time to just start howling at whoever who will listen, and she understands that about the <laughs> internet, and that's and that's great. So the next one here is is from a few months ago, and the reason it came to my attention is because it just perfectly, perfectly encapsulates... Like, it's like an absolute... Perfect match of like content and author and just overall body of work. Mm-hmm. And so here we have um, we have Jonathan Franzen at the real Franzen.
1: Well, he is the real Franzen.
0: <laughs> um, and here he says, I hurt my back reaching for the lime flavor in a mountain of LaCroix.
1: <laughs> <laughs> OK, can we take a moment and appreciate? I want to
0: picture Jonathan Franzen's mountain of LaCroix, first of all.
1: Yep. And then also that like lime is mm-hmm. the best flavor out of an entire mountain of LaCroix.
0: Yeah, he needs better LaCroix. Come on. The frankly. only
1: – okay, so, like, I love the lime flavor yeah. of LaCroix. Yeah. But, like, the, the only thing that's, like, worse mm-hmm. than the lime flavor is no flavor and then also that, like, mixed berry flavor.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I sort of, like, picked that one. Like thinking, oh, we were gonna kinda laugh at Jonathan Franzen for like liking like LaCroix and like specifying a flavor. But then you're like the reason you're mad at the tweet is cause he picked the wrong flavor. Of okay. So here's
1: so here's the thing. I yeah. grew up yeah. with boxes mm-hmm. of cans of LaCroix in uh-huh. my fridge because I was raised by lesbians in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Like that's like yeah. what we had. That right. was like our special like yeah. Drink, of course. That was her special drink, mm-hmm. and so it was always like my mom's drink, and she bought a lot of the lime flavor before like the millennials got on it, and yeah. was like, "This is cool," because um, they're growing very, very quickly. And so now, like you, you're lousy with choices. You've got like the the weird flavors. You've got like the cucumber blackberry. You've got mango. You've got all tangerine.
0: Your like, options come are on. limitless.
1: They, well, Why they're not. Yourself? But you can have coconut. <laughs> You <laughs> anyway, and he's going for anyway. anyway. Laura, <laughs> I, um, it's very nostalgic for me in my childhood. That's like know. his
0: only tweet, like in the last several months too. <laughs> like it's like this, and then like one just completely humorless. Like, can you believe? Can you believe this Trump guy? You know, there's like somebody one needs in there. to check on Jonathan
1: um, Franz, and I'm worried that he's stuck on his bedroom floor, like with a tweaked yeah, back, yeah. just like like slowly just, like, dying of thirst and just like rationing his lime flavored sips.
0: I'd watch that Periscope, by the way. <laughs> Uh, like one of those eagle cams, you know, where they've got like the little thing like hatching. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> who, next. Who is our third? Who
1: is our third candidate? Next,
0: the next candidate for best author tweet here. Um, this one hit a little close to home. Did it? If you remember correctly. Oh my. Um, um, this is an author um, who is quote tweeting you. Uh, <laughs> Damn. Um, and this is. I'm not I would like to call her a friend of the show
1: I don't think she is um
0: we respect her immensely but I'm not sure it's like it's like you know reciprocated yeah and so <laughs> if you remember we did that show um we a did few, a show way, way on... back where yeah. we sort of talked about her situation pulling her books from Macmillan and stuff which we lauded as like very like we thought that was very good and we sort of discussed her situation and what we thought might come next but then,
1: I I I no. I butted up against the character the character limits of mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah,
0: and so you made it sound as though we had the scoop of what she was doing next. I think is she how ran she out took of it. Letters. I don't, Yeah, no, 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 I didn't it, take it, it this was, way, It was
1: but, well, you didn't take it that way because you knew what we were actually saying. But like from a complete like not yeah. print run listener <laughs> yeah. to like read that like that was my fault and we had a very serious emergency print run <laughs> meeting about it and i'm very sorry no, and no, now no. that's why so eric then, runs the the so, print one twitter
0: so then uh Roxanne gay got in here and said i haven't said what will come next so this is weird we were like hoping maybe she'd be like hey this is some great analysis right like we were kind of like well, if we tag Roxanne gay maybe she'll like listen and like say something nice about the show and it sort of backfired. She was diplomatic here. She was. I say. But and I inter-
1: responded and I said, that's not what I meant. Whoops. But yeah. I didn't delete it because at that no, point we had it. like hundreds no, of never, people. Never yeah. ever
0: log off Yeah, No, we, we got good listens out of that. We that did.
1: <laughs> I feel I feel yeah. like from a simply like self-serving oh, kind yeah. of no, we did good. kind of approach, I feel like Roxanne Gay should take it. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Um, anyway, she makes the list, um, as a print run specific entry. Mm. Um, and then the last one, the last one on this list is less of a, it's less of an individual tweet and more of what I like to call, it's like one of those like montages at the Oscars where it's like a lifetime achievement achievement award. And I sort of like picture him as like kind of dead, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like it's sort of like when I picture like, like seeing the montage of our good friend, Stephen King's tweets, they sort of come like you know, fading in and out of black, like um, you know, like one of those like things that like these awards shows, right? Yeah,
1: there's like Sarah um, McLaughlin yeah. <laughs> like playing over yeah. him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stephen uh, King
1: is still alive, y'all.
0: I read I read all of Stephen King's tweets uh, to the song "What If God Was One of Us." Um, it's <laughs> it's very therapeutic, and you should try it. Um, but he's he's great, and honestly, it was so hard to pick one. I knew he had to be on this list because he's really um, our favorite account um
1: Someday he'll be a friend of the podcast, yeah.
0: so.
1: and not just like the the person who doesn't respond to our breathy tweets.
0: You would think one of these days he's gonna respond. We Someday. gotta get verified. Once we get verified, he'll probably actually like see our tweets. Like I don't even know how that works, but
1: I don't. I kind you of don't was have hoping to ask to see them. You just see them. It just means I was kind, kind of like hoping people, that you would yeah.
0: be verified by now, so that we could like use your to rub it in, to, Eric, to holler at celebrities.
1: God damn it, Eric!
0: How am I supposed to harass famous people if we can't use your account? Um, but anyway, so those are our those are our entries. Who do you think? Who should we pick? Uh,
1: well, I mean, Stephen King doesn't. I mean, he just gets his own award. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I should say Roxanne because of the boon she granted, right. Print Run, um, right. in both the exposure and also the content, hashtag mm. content. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know what? I really, really feel, because this is the first year, yeah. I really feel like Joyce Carol Oates should take it. I
0: think she has to have it. With the dinosaur he, tweet. I, th- <laughs> I think so, too. Though I do... I do love the idea of a, a contrarian ISIS take from *Woman of Letters*, Joyce Carol Oates too. But either way, I really matter. feel like those are one A and one B yeah. to me.
1: Maybe next year when we're only looking at the last twelve months, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe somebody else will will take the crown. But like, come on, Joyce.
0: Yeah. So she gets it this year. Congrats, right. Joyce. We can we can holler at her later.
1: Um, next category. Mm-hmm. And this is this is one of my favorites because it's all things that we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Yeah. So the category is the book that made people the maddest.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So there are four entries, and they
0: come from different angles. They do. Too. They
1: come from different angles. So
0: give us a, give us a little bit. So on each. the
1: first one is "The Hate You Give" by Angie Thomas. Made a
0: lot of people mad. Made a lot made of people mad. Made all the worst people mad. Yeah. Which is like the best thing a book can do, which I is, think. Yeah. It's just I would like agree. Get Everyone who's, like, horrible online, like, really in a froth.
1: Yeah, of course. So So that's the first one. mm. Then we have Handbook for Mortals by Lonnie Sarum.
0: Yeah, that was – yeah. That That one –
1: if you don't remember, that one, that's actually still going on. Yeah. There are people, like, live tweeting, like, her Barnes & Noble events when there's, like, five people. I love
0: the flyer. I didn't it, see said she was, it said she was a New York Times bestseller list. She did it. For
1: like 27 yeah, yeah, yeah. hours she or did something. It.
0: She had it on there. She got what she wanted out of there's it. And also, for that, I respect the hell out of her. There's
1: also that, um, that American Pie actor who keeps like posting pictures <laughs> of like seeing her books in airports. But it, there's very clearly like a smaller book, like a book with a smaller trim size like behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like all face out. And then just like <laughs> it's very clearly like he placed it there and because so, it's right in line with like all the political books.
0: Yeah, right. It's just like wrong <laughs> shelf. <laughs> it's like next to yeah. This so is that good.
1: one, that one's still going on, uh-huh. which which gives me quite a bit of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, the third entry is Dangerous by Milo Yiannopoulos, which
0: made me mad. I'll Wh- cop to it. Which made all the I good people mad. people mad. Yeah, which made this one did get a lot of people riled up, uh, justifiably so, um, and then eventually got like all the bad people riled up. This one actually, in terms of just ubiquitous anger. Yeah, I feel like at some point. Everyone in America was mad at this book for some reason.
1: This book is directly responsible for Roxane Gay tweeting at us and <laughs> losing that previous category. So I don't know. Well, yeah, um, and, and then the fourth, and then the fourth book is *The Continent* by Kira Drake, uh-huh. which, if you remember, was the previous biggest scandal of YA before the *Handbook for Mortals* thing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just the super racist book that Harlequin Teen yeah. pulled. So that one made everybody really, really mad when at the very beginning of the year when we were all sweet summer children.
0: Right. Yeah. So <laughs> before we all had plunged into eternal darkness.
1: Exactly. So I'm gonna out let of you pick. I'm gonna
0: let you pick this one because of the sheer volume of YA, which I think is also <sighs> yeah. indicative of the category. Like, I feel like if this category ran for multiple years, YA would be a real powerhouse. Oh, of
1: course. Because
0: like, what books are making people angry? It's always young adult lit. Yeah. Um, so.
1: So I pick. I would say um, you know, if if this award given mm-hmm. was was maybe in a couple of weeks, I would maybe pick Handbook for Mortals. Yeah. But I feel like in terms of making people the maddest, yeah. not just like um laughing in 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 just like mean joy. Yeah, yeah right.
0: Yeah. Uh Mean I, I, joy is a good way. to mean put it. mean joy, yeah,
1: cause it, yeah, mean yeah. joy. It's not in like it's not at somebody else's suffering. It's right, not right, whatever. Right, it's just right. like mean joy,
0: yeah,
1: um, I, I you know what? I think dangerous has to take it,
0: yeah, that one was, yeah, just in terms of getting everyone the waves on the of anger mad, yeah, um, and just like it was one group's turn to be mad and then it was the other group's turn to be mad. and like, in both moments, the other side was laughing at the people who were mad, and then everyone was saying that they weren't mad. Then that dude wrote that editorial in Publishers Weekly, and that then we everybody laughed else at. got mad. And then, <laughs> and then they had to write a response. Really, it was just a lot of great content. Yeah, um, hashtag
1: but, content. So I, I think I yeah. think this one right, goes we'll to, it, we'll goes to Milo.
0: Um, so this next com- this next category um, is it's a. It's a one-book category um, because there can only be one book in this category. All right. What um, is the category? So <laughs> – and I feel like most listeners can probably guess what it is once we get through it. And here we go. The book I feel I've read every single page of despite never purchasing, borrowing, opening, or even touching.
1: <laughs> OK. And what is, what <laughs> and is so this book, before Eric?
0: before we reveal what I think is probably pretty obvious what book we're talking about here um, – There was just this phenomenon over the last few weeks where every single person online was like making threads of screenshots of this book. They were like getting their takes in. There were like – there was a book review in every outlet, which is to be expected. And then there – but beyond even just the book reviews. There were reviews of the reviews. Yes, there were reviews of the reviews. Then there were satirical reviews of the reviews being like, you know, I didn't even read a single page of it, but here's my review. Like everyone was just like getting in on this book and then everyone had to have a take on it. Everyone had to have an opinion on it. And like between the threads and everything and all this stuff, I feel like I genuinely have like seen literally every page of this book. Probably. Um, And that is, of course, What Happened by Hillary Rodham Clinton. Mm.
1: (laughs) Hillary, <laughs> you swept it this year, girl. She, you you swept you, something. You, you win. Need-
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. This has gotten really bleak. Um anyway. This
1: is bleak now, just you want to hear what the next category um, well,
0: is. Well, so anyway, um, regardless of what real quick, regardless of what you think of that book, and we we don't have to get into it, it is just like it's amazing. It is I've never seen anything like this. The amount of times this book has just been like forcefully shown to me. And that's for good or bad. Like yeah. I have no I honestly have no opinion about this book. Like I don't need to read it. I'm probably not going to. I feel like I already have read it. But like the point is just like I've never seen something generate such on the page discussion like page by page from literally everyone. Um which is I suppose indicative of the times. But um speaking of yeah. bleak
1: <laughs> Let's let's bring us into <laughs> yeah. the next category. Yeah. Our last category because we're ending on the most positive. Yeah. Which is books most commonly made into insufferable references in 2017. Yes.
0: This is the category I'm so fluent in. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it.
1: First, okay, so we allowed for a few book series as mm-hmm. well as individual books here because yeah. um Sometimes we're... people
0: reference the series on the whole. Correct. Yeah.
1: So, the first one is A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. Martin, friend of the podcast.
0: Laura, did you did you know that I don't know if you've thought about this? But I would say the political situation right now, it's a lot like Game of Thrones.
1: It's a lot like Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Anyway, I the Game of Thrones reference, especially from, I feel like it was like a big Vox thing. Mm. Like that kind of like giant, there's like pools of money, like central, like centrist, liberal thing. Like Game of Thrones was everywhere during the political season. Everyone was every single character. We were all debating who was like Daenerys. It was, it was awful. Yep. Um, yep. But anyway, Game of Thrones, I think, is a real front runner in this category.
1: Second one, *The Handmaid's Tale* by Margaret Atwood.
0: Yeah. That uh, one,
1: that one, I feel like hits a little bit more closely home now that we're, um, yeah. you know, six eight months into the yeah. the presidency, um, and you know, ladies continue to have lady bits.
0: Well, <laughs> um, well, so I will say for *The Handmaid's Tale* and the like, the sheer like glut of references it received in the moment it was when the show came out right that everyone yeah, decided the show to, reminded yeah, everyone us go back of it to the but book. like
1: i feel like it was still happening because it's all about you know like um political reformation yeah. and and it's like a kind hard right a, swing
0: right a hard yeah, right swing and
1: it's about reproduction yeah. and it's about all sorts of no stuff. it's
0: apt and that's that's kind of my point is with a lot of like of all of these the handmaid's tale like there was a stretch that where people I remember like Sarah Jones in the New Republic wrote a really thoughtful essay about *The Handmaid's Tale* being yeah. a perfectly apt thing, and um, like this one, it didn't it didn't bother me so much. But then you got like the swing back. Like I feel like a bunch of like New York Times um, op eds ended up saying things like the real you know *Handmaid's Tale* is like not letting you know right wing fascists come to your college campus or like you know <laughs> some like dumb shit like that. Um, but um, so this one started out as apt. I would argue that game at no point was it appropriate to compare politics to Game of Thrones. Um, but The Handmaid's Tale, I feel like, definitely had, like, real things worth reading. Like, But, it, term- be-
1: but it became <coughs> insufferable. But it became
0: insufferable. Yes, I would say it became insufferable.
1: Yeah, when everybody wanted to talk about Elizabeth Moss going from Mad Men to Handmaid's <sighs> yeah. Tale. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Okay, um, 1984. Hmm. That one was right around the time of the election, yeah. just very all over the place. When
0: everyone was <clears throat> yeah, everyone had to get their like fake news tweets in. And yeah, that that is another one that I feel like it's just like let's find let's just find another reference, you know.
1: <laughs> well, they like, did. And do you know what they found? They found the Harry Potter series. They found
0: oft overlooked book series
1: by by <laughs> Harry Potter. JK Rowling. Um yeah. because you know what, Eric? Yeah, the the resistance is hashtag Dumbledore's Army.
0: Yeah, I know it is. Um, I, <laughs> that was, I think the bit that was. I remember, like when I was like deepest in my post election despair, like like <laughs> November 9th, Like I remember I was I was online and like people were doing that right. Like they were already digging into their. They're like um, we can yeah, we can beat Dumbledore, Professor Umbridge. Yeah, Dumbledore's Army and like you know Ministry of Magic and like all Fascism. this stuff. I was yeah. so... <laughs> oh, man. It was, it was not good, but that's gonna, that's gonna live he for a while. He who must not be named. There are yeah. sometimes you just, like, come to peace with realizing that some of the dumb things you think about are just never gonna leave your brain.
1: And that's one of them? And, like, them?
0: one of them is just, like, the series of tweets, like, comparing, like, certain characters to, like, Snape, like, as, like... Good uh, the Snape right, versus bad Snape. Like, as, like, the right-wing takeover is, like... Ha- like, it Ugh, man.
1: <clears throat> last one.
0: And this is a real... This last one... Um, certainly doesn't have like the cultural weight that these other ones have in terms of longevity yet cuz it hasn't been around nearly as long
1: but it's fed into everything but it has
0: really really taken on some legs
1: and that is hillbilly elegy by j.d. vance
0: <laughs> yeah um this one is this one was tricky because i feel like it suddenly became like the only book about a non-coastal city that any like liberal had ever read <laughs> Frankly, yeah. um, and it was something like, "Oh well, you know, this J D Vance guy—he poses some really thoughtful things about, you know, these people in West Virginia. We, we've yeah, like, we've like never Southerners to. are people too. I, <laughs> I know it really did. It did take on this like, and if you—I don't know, like if, if we don't—we're not going to get into it here, but like, and it southerners sort of became, aren't dumb, right? No, it just became like this, like touchstone for anyone who wanted to pretend they were the ones in real touch with Middle America. Yeah, and it's just—I don't know. It was. <laughs> It became a little bit tiresome. It was appearing on CNN and then he went on this speaking circuit and he was everywhere. And suddenly you were like bad if you hadn't read the book and you were good if you hadn't read the book in other circles because why would I read that trash? It was just another one of those instances where talking about the book – and actually, this is probably a unifying theme amongst all these – where talking about the book as it related to your immediate actual life became more important to people than – actually just like reading it and digesting it for yourself yeah and
1: like learning stuff yeah (laughs) yeah
0: um so what do we go with here
1: i have a i have a front runner you got a front runner do you have a front runner
0: let me see um yeah i think i do what are you going with
1: harry potter Yeah, me too
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i love i love harry potter i really do i will always i'm gonna read those books to my kids i think they're great um, but
1: like institutionalized fascism <laughs> and the, and like the right wing, right wing conservatives are not Please. equivalent to Dolores Umbridge. Please
0: read another book.
1: And that brings us to the end of print What Run's a great awards show! First annual Gong Show or er, Gong Award Show.
0: Which, real quick, which celeb would we have host the awards show? Like, who would we get up there?
1: Mm. That's a hard question.
0: I haven't given this any thought. It's I don't just know. We could ask
1: my friend Chris Pratt.
0: <laughs> we should have brought that in. That was funny, too. Um, your not an argument about with Chris Pratt about uh, spirit animals. That was good. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> I'm still, I'm still can't catching shade know, from that. That's anyway.
0: Um, anyway, should we do the pub tip?
1: I think we should.
0: So um, this week we wanted to focus on a tip that we think is good for writers that we ourselves as agents use when we're submitting work to editors, right? Um, and that is to, well, it comes from the idea that you can use the submission process and the rejections that come as part of that submission process as. Note, note
1: that we're saying. You can use the rejections, right. not if you get rejections. No, 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 no.
0: There's going to be rejections. There's always going to be rejections. And the point is that you can use this as a learning experience to kind of tailor your critique and tailor your work as you go. And what that means is that – and this is our tip – is don't send your query to every agent you've ever liked all at once.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The thinking being – that if you, you know, maybe you've been online as you're writing and stuff, maybe you've been doing your research and you've like got a whole list of people that you're super ready to query and you know exactly why they're going to love your book and so forth. And that's great. But then let's say you send it to all of them.
1: The whole A team. The
0: whole yeah, the whole, the whole list, however many people it is. You exhaust your list on your first shot out the door. And then you realize like you like just forgot some like little dumb mistake. Or you forgot or, or you like it occurs to you one day that if you tweak this one little thing, maybe you listen to our query show and you decide to tweak something, you know, um, and you decide to make a change, suddenly you're out of your list, right? You've already sent it to everyone. You can't re- you're not pro- probably can't resend. You probably can't, you know, get back in touch with those people. <clears throat> and so the idea here is like use smaller groups, right? Like send it out in waves. Maybe and maybe wh-
1: only one person from the eight a- team.
0: Right, because there's, it's not going to hurt you to do that, but it might help you. Like you might hear something back from someone that's actually genuinely helpful and useful in tailoring your pitch for the next person. And so I know like as an, ed, as an agent, um, you know, I do that a lot. And I think so do yeah. a lot of people. It's like you send it to a few people and then they say, hey, you know, maybe we want it to be this X, Y, or Z. And then before you've already run through your entire list of people, you can – you know, we can go back to the author. We can say, hey, what if we tweaked in this way? And I know that that's helped me, you know, sell things in the past and like –
1: and before before the querying authors say but i don't get feedback because agents don't right. give feedback right. there is also feedback to be had like you know if Elsewhere. you if you if you do research and you're querying the people who you think would be really really mm-hmm. good for your book and you send them a query and you know all 10 or 15 of them come back to you with no's, yeah that means that there's something wrong with your query
0: yeah well that's the, that's the, yeah that's the thing is like sometimes not hearing anything is feedback in and of itself right yeah.
1: If you're, um, if if your book readers, which you should be, you should go to your local Edina Barnes and Noble and buy yourself, um, seventy seven reasons why your book was rejected by Mike Napa. Hmm. Um, he was a acquisitions editor and literary agent, and he goes through all of the ways. Yeah. That you could be kind of shooting yourself in the foot,
0: anyway, the or you is- can
1: just subscribe to Print Run Podcasts.
0: <laughs> One stop shopping, folks. <laughs> just keep on listening. Um, that's probably it for today, though, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you know, just give your give your space to t- give yourself space to tinker, and don't look at rejections as a negative because yeah. it will teach you something if you give yourself the space to figure out what it's saying. Yeah. As a reminder. Writing by Reading will be out this Thursday, the 28th. -hmm. And we will be taking the first three weeks of October off for our regular episodes, but never fear because our query show will still be available on October 12th. Our first pages show will be a lot, be live on October 19th. It won't be alive that comes on Halloween. Um, and then writing by reading will come out October 26th. Mm-hmm. So right in time to close out the month and I think that you'll all be really, really excited about the book that we read because I just finished it and it rocked my world. Um, and I know that it's gonna rock Eric's. So we'll see you soon.